Hello everyone and welcome to part 2 of From the Hacks preview of the 2020 Scotties. As I mentioned in part 1, this season we are focusing on some of the more interesting stories among the players and teams that will be in Moose Jaw. In part 2 of our preview, we chat with Sarah Wilkes of Team Kerry, who will be wearing the Maple Leaf at this year's Scotties, as they look to defend the championship they won last season with a comeback for the ages in the 2019 championship final against Team Homan. We talk with Kendra Lilly of Northern Ontario's Team McCarville, a perennial contender at the Scotties despite the fact they play a limited schedule which causes many to underestimate their ability to compete at the highest level. We catch up with Laurie Eddy of Team Nunavut, who is better known these days as co-host of the Two Girls in the Game podcast. Laurie is returning to the Scotties for the first time since playing in the championship final in 1997. Laura Walker joins us to discuss how she went from almost sitting out the season to winning the Alberta Provincials and qualifying for her first Scotties. And our final guest this week is Noemi Vego of Quebec, who joins us for an interview in French where we discuss her team's win at Provincials and their goals and expectations for the 2020 Scotties in Moose Jaw. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the US, well the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from easy and textile logos to the world famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and textile logos are the industry standard for high quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Our first guest on part two of this year's Scotties preview is Sarah Wilkes, the third for Chelsea Carey on the defending Scotties champions, Team Canada. It hasn't always been easy for Wilkes and Team Carey since winning the 2019 Scotties in Sydney, Nova Scotia, but they will be in Moose Jaw looking to become the first repeat champions at the Scotties since Team Homan in 2014. Sarah, your season started off strong. You reached the final in your first two events, but it's been a bit of a mixed bag since then. How satisfied is a team with its current form heading into the defense of your Scotties title? Uh, I mean, we're feeling good. We had a really good practice weekend last weekend, and we're getting together again this weekend. Um, we're feeling rested, that's for sure. Um, we've had a few weeks off here, which was definitely needed after that stretch there before and after Christmas. That was a lot of curling. Uh, and, I mean, we've been playing well. It's just a matter of putting it all together and getting some wins out of it. Like in the last slam, we lost the C qualifier against Fujisawa, who's been amazing all year making it to like i think the semi of every slam so far or something like that um so we're happy with how we're playing and um we're feeling well rested and we've had a couple good training weekends so we're feeling good last season your team got on the roll at provincials and you were able to stay on that roll through the scotties except for maybe that one day in the championship pool where you lost both your games but got back on the tracks real quickly from there. This season, as the reigning Scotties champs, you did not have to play Provincials. That's a benefit because winning Provincials is always tough, especially in Alberta. But it also means your team will arrive in Moose Jaw not having played a meaningful game in about a month. Is that a concern for your team at all? 
Uh, it was definitely weird <laughs> watching the Alberta Provincials and not participating in it. Um, I felt like I was missing out. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice to come off the high, like you said, of winning Provincials. And going into the Scotties, we know all of these teams are playing well. They all won their province to be there. Um, but I think it's more of a mindset thing. Like, we know that we can go in there and have really good games against all of the teams. And if we just go in there with that mindset and not think about the fact that we were kind of sitting, um, waiting for everyone to win their provincials to then go and play all of them. Um, but just think about it as uh, a privilege to be there and come in there with confidence after winning, winning the thing a year ago. Uh, and then just, go and play as well as we can. <laughs> Your pool at the 2020 Scotties is certainly stacked. It includes Team Anderson of Manitoba, Team Walker of Alberta, Team Silvernagel of Saskatchewan, and Team McCarville of Northern Ontario. Your team schedule for this year's Scotties is such that you play those four teams in your first five games. So you certainly will not get to ease your way into the round robin. Does that change the mindset for your team heading into the event, knowing that you really have to be dialed in and get a good read on the ice and on the rocks from the outset? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point. Uh, it's something that you certainly can't address. Like, you have to realize that, like you said, we're playing four really tough teams in our first five games. Um, so this weekend, that's certainly something that we're going to talk about is our schedule and who we're playing and how we're going to approach that. Uh, last year, going into our first game, we were playing Manitoba, so we were playing Team Flurry. Um, knowing that that was going to be a tough game because they're really good. Uh, and we just went in there with the mindset of just learning mode, just going in there and learning the rocks, learning the ice for the rest of the week, and knowing playing a team like that, it could go either way. Um, so just taking away from the game that we're more familiar with the ice if, if you don't win it. Um, but if you win, that's kind of a bonus at that point. But also playing with emergency because, the first bit of the tournament is pretty short. It goes by pretty fast, and you need to come out of there with a good record because you bring it forward with you in the championship pool. So, I mean, we would be remiss not to address the fact that we're playing some really tough teams in our first few games, but at the same time, you kind of just have to take the schedule for what it is and go in there and try and win as many games as you can. This is your second season playing on a team uh, with Chelsea Carey as your skip. You'd uh, obviously played against her a bunch before joining her team, but I'm wondering if there's anything about Chelsea's game that you gained even more appreciation for after joining her team. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, drawing, for sure. Like when we were playing Chelsea and she was playing really well, she was drawing really well. Um, and I mean, last year to win the Scotties, she certainly made a few draws to keep us in the game. Um, some really gutsy calls that at the time I was like, ah, I don't know about this. And reflecting back, she was just like, had ice in her veins and made the draws like it was nothing. And if she didn't, I remember one, she was like an intern draw around one of their rocks, like top 12, and she just had to put it like dead buried behind theirs, back eight, make as much distance as possible um, to try and get Rachel to throw the run back there on the top 12 rock. And if she makes it, they get three. And so I was a little nervous about that, obviously, but Chelsea just made it like it was 
no big deal. So definitely her drawing ability. And finally, Sarah, it's no secret that the women's game has gotten a lot deeper around the world uh, the last couple of decades, and winning the women's worlds is tough. That said, your team took it on the chin a little, both on and off the ice of the women's worlds last spring when you struggled to find your groove, you failed to podium against a strong field and got skewered a little bit, both in the mainstream Canadian media and online. I'm sure it wasn't an easy experience to go through, but I'm wondering what you took from that experience that helped you grow as a team. So with that, um, heading into that sort of event, Chelsea had been there before, Rochelle Dean and I had never, and the turnaround is just so quick, and there's just nothing that can really prepare you for that or for the event or being Team Canada. Um, It comes with a lot of pressure, and I think, like you said, the world is getting better, right? And every game there is a hard game, not just because teams are really because you have that added pressure of being Team Canada and it being there's that expectation to win, right? Um, so I think as a team, uh, like you said, it, people were hard on us. <laughs> um, so we were not forced to, but we chose to come together and um, have a couple good conversations about that. And it definitely was a difficult experience, um, but something that definitely brought us closer as a team, as a unit, knowing that we can at times rely on, only rely on each other and not think about anyone else. And um, after the event, it, like you said, didn't go the way we wanted. It wasn't the outcome that we were hoping for leading into Worlds, but it kind of just gives you that... uh, (laughs) thirst for more, right? You just want to go back. Now that all of us have experienced it, we know what it's like. We know what that pressure feels like. Um, so it just gives you that desire to get back there, right? To be So just be a better competitor in that situation. There's only things that you can learn from being there, right? Like I said, there's nothing that really prepares you for it. So I think it definitely brought us together closer as a team, we learned a lot of things just about those kind of international competitions, and it just pushes us to be better, right? Those days when you don't really want to, you're exhausted after a day of work, getting up early, whatever it is, and then you have to go to practice. I think for me, at least, that's what pushes me, is just to want to be back there and perform better when, if I ever, or we ever get that opportunity again. Our next guest is Kendra Lilly, who was one of the more sought-after players at the end of the last Olympic cycle. Kendra chose to stay with Northern Ontario's team McCarville, who have reached the playoffs in their last three Scotties appearances, despite playing a limited schedule that causes the team to be ranked much lower than they otherwise would be. Kendra, your team just recently won the Northern Ontario Playdowns for the fourth time in five years. Do you still get nervous before the Playdowns, an event that you've clearly dominated the past two seasons? Yeah, no, of course we get nervous. I mean, all the practices and all the work that we put in is for that weekend. So I think if we weren't nervous, we'd be doing something wrong or we should uh, switch things up a little bit. But no, we absolutely get um, really nervous. We get, um, I think just because all the pressure's on us, right? Like every other team can kind of go out and just give it their best shot. And if they win, that's great. Um, but for us, we just, we know what it's like to be at the Scotties and we know what it means to be there. So for us, it's almost like a little bit of added pressure. Um, every team can kind of they get 
pumped to play us, right? Like they want to beat, uh, or they're the underdog and they want to take us down kind of thing. So we, we um, definitely don't take that lightly that we are the favorite. Um, and that doesn't mean that we can go and play any different. Um, but yeah, it's still, every year we still get those butterflies in our stomachs and that sick feeling right before the finals. So yeah. Your team has developed a pretty good rhythm over the past few seasons of playing a limited schedule. And more often than not, you do quite well in the few events that you do play in. Yeah, no, I think it, we've kind of got into a rhythm and our, we set up our seasons kind of the same um, basically since we started. Uh, it's no secret that we take the um, curling life balance a little bit more seriously than other teams and um, we kind of get um, people tell us all the time basically that we do it way different than everyone else, but that's what works for us. So, I mean, we aren't the team that's going to be playing 10, 15 events a year. Like we played three this year and we really pride ourselves in putting in the work um, outside of events, um, training weekends. So myself and I guess the past few years that Jen's been on the team, us flying to Thunder Bay and doing practice weekends, um, we really take the time to perfect um, technically and work um, behind the scenes um, because we know that we're not the team that's going to go out and spend three weekends of a month away from our families and friends and our work especially too. So we kind of know what works for us. We don't um, have to travel to all those events to play well. We play the way that we can um, and the way that our lives allow us to. Um, and I mean, so we've kind of adjusted our schedule in that sense. Like we, there's, we've tried to do more sort of um, Southern Ontario spiels. We do a lot in the States because it's nice and close to the girls up in Thunder Bay, so less time off for them. And then I just fly up there and drive across the border to Minnesota. Um, so we basically, I guess, would do events that are convenient for us that fit our schedules um, because we really like to focus a lot on our family and friends and um, make that our priority during the curling season a little bit, which is unconventional in the sense that every other team does the complete opposite of us. Um, but no, I, like we've, it's a, it's an interesting question because for us, we're just doing what works for us and everyone else, it seems strange and, um, just different really, but we don't really know anything different and that works for us and we don't really ever plan on changing even though uh, we get hecked for it all the time in interviews. If you played more, you guys would do so much better and we kind of like the pace that we're setting, um, so we don't plan on changing. So it's, it's just second nature to us, really. Kendra, for those of us that follow the World Curling Tour closely, it's no secret that you were approached to join several different teams at the end of the last Olympic cycle. Were you ever tempted to leave uh, Team uh, McCarville and join another team as an import? Yeah, I don't know if this question or this answer will surprise anyone, um, but to be honest, no, it wasn't really tempting. Um, playing for Krista is really one of the most unbelievable experiences I've ever had like to truly play with one of the top women skips in the world um, I would really do anything to continue to play with her um, I think other people can kind of see it too like the, our team has something really special like I mean there's been some changes this year with pregnancies and stuff but the key four of us um, it's just it I don't think I'll ever play on a team as cohesive as the one I'm on right now um, so for me, and I, I don't have a family right now and who knows in the future, but right now I do love the schedule that we have, um, to be able to spend time during the curling season and just not get run down and, and focus on my career and family and friends. And I, I really do enjoy that right now. And quite honestly, I just, I love playing with Krista and I hope to play with her for as long as I can. I know at some point that she'll probably want to step back with her kids getting older and who knows with Sarah and Ash and 
it's just it's kind of up in the air and right now it's just we have such a good thing going and you know we are all on the same page like none of us are dying to play more and are resentful that the other three don't want to we all have the same understanding we all value the time that we spend at home as much as the time that we spend away and we are really aware of the skill that we have that we don't play as much and we're still contenders when we go to the Scotties and we like that we like kind of being that underdog team that isn't spending like 10 weekends before Christmas out of town we spend a lot of time at home practicing and yeah, like, I mean, it basically just comes down to us being on the exact same page and just knowing what we're capable of, I guess. And, yeah, so, I mean, it, it was obviously flattering to be asked by other teams, but there was never for a second that I considered stepping away from this team. And I don't plan to for the next little while, at least, for sure. Speaking of Krista, because her team doesn't play nearly as much as the other top teams in the country, I'm not sure that people give her the respect she deserves as a skip. Tell me what it's like to play with Krista as your skip. She certainly seems to always be cool, calm, and collected, which I'm sure makes it easier on you and the other teammates. Oh my gosh, it's you can't even really put it into words. Like There's times at the beginning of the game she'll come out in the first end and just make the shot, and you can just see in her eyes that it's going to be one of those games that it really doesn't matter how any of us play. She's literally going to make every shot, and I don't see that too much with other people. It's it's kind of it's crazy to be able to sit back playing on the team and just see her do her stuff. Like it's it's unbelievable, and it's just just to be in that presence and to have that confidence in your skip is something that I don't think a lot of people could say. Um, and it also goes to you could make. A, a triple peel, roll perfect behind a guard, it's something, and she just goes, yep, nice shot. And then if you completely flash a hit, then it's just, okay, moving on. Like, it's the same reaction either way. Um, so it, it's it's really easy to stay sort of even keel throughout the game. You don't have to, if you miss, like, it's not like she's going to make you feel bad. And just she's just so level-headed and in calm in the game that it's kind of even affected me too like I used to be like the one slam my broom or just get a little heated sometimes and it's just she's just so calm cool and collected all the time like those three words describe her perfectly so it it affects all of us in a very positive way too and it just allows us to sit back and let Krista run the show how she does and just just yeah like she's just so confident and just such a great skip to play for that it's 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 unbelievable. And I'm sure everyone else can see it, but especially playing with her too, it's just like the level of confidence that we all have in her is unbelievable. And I, I don't know that I would ever have that with another skip. Last season, Jen Gates was added to your team and has played several events with you at this point. One of the side benefits has been that you now have a teammate to train with in Sudbury after years of being alone while the rest of the team was in Thunder Bay. How has having a teammate to train with in Sudbury on a regular basis benefited you? Oh, it's really good. I think, like, it's going out to practice by yourself. It's it, You can only get so pumped up for that. And having that level of accountability to have someone else that's there that's counting on me to show up and throw well. And it, it keeps me on my toes, too. So having Jen know how, say, like, Rick and Lorraine want us to throw the rock, she knows exactly how I'm supposed to be and will tell me when I'm not. So it helps keep me honest. And it just I don't get any of those um, bad habits or things throwing that maybe if I was just throwing by myself I wouldn't have noticed if she's there and she'll say hey like you're doing this like this is how you're supposed to be throwing it or I noticed this and then I'm like okay yeah 
I know what you mean. I mean, I do play with a very good team on my Tuesday night leagues. Um, Rob Gordon, um, who's a very successful curler himself, going to the Briar and seniors and stuff. So he he helps me a lot too, um, just letting me know like, hey, Kendra, you really dumped that one. What the heck were you doing or whatever. So having Jen ha- definitely has been a huge asset and just it's having – it got lonely here, to be honest. It was hard to practice by myself so much and travel by myself so much. So, yeah, it has been, it's been really good. Finally, Kendra, your team has been slotted into a very deep pool at the 2020 Scotties. Does that change your mindset or approach at all, or is it as simple as one game and one shot at a time? No, I think it's it's still one game at a time, one shot at a time. Um, we, I mean, we kind of ran into the same thing last year. Um, and with the new format with the two pools, even if, you make the championship pool, you'd be playing all of those tougher teams uh, or the top-ranked teams in the crossover anyways. So we're kind of looking at it in the sense that just right from the get-go, we got to start playing our game. we got to figure out the ice. We have to just play our best, really. We play Team Canada first. So, um, it, I mean, it, from the outside looking in, I guess it kind of does look intimidating, but we're just kind of looking at it in the sense of if we made the championship pool we'd be playing those teams anyways. So we really just have to win the games that we should, um, hope for a little a little things here or there go our way, and then we should be setting up the same way. Um, we managed to make the playoffs last year with the pools kind of looking similar to how they did this year. I think it might be a little bit tougher this year, um, but, I mean, we, we just got to go out and play our game and win the games that we should, like I said, and then just make the championship pool and – hopefully win a lot of those crossover games. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's to us, I mean, we've, we've had this conversation already. We saw it. We kind of knew that that was going to be happening, um, knowing that our ranking would be a little bit lower than expected, just how they, how they rank you going in, um, which I guess we've seen some of the talk about it saying, oh, we're screwing with the system and not screwing, I guess, intentionally, but not playing more and us being ranked lower than we should be. But, I mean, it's, it's – uh, yeah, if we can make the championship pool out of our pool, I think we'd be in a pretty good spot. So, Many of you might know our next guest as one of the co-hosts of the popular curling podcast, Two Girls in the Game. But Laurie Eddy is also an accomplished curler who will skip Team Nunavut in Moose Jaw, her first Scotty's appearance since reaching the final in her one and only previous Scotty's appearance in 1997. Laurie, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, in the past, I've been a little harsh on the imports of parachuted into Nunavut in some cases, to play one event, having never even met their teammates before arriving to the Scotties. However, you took a different approach. You spent several weekends with your teammates during the season, including competing in a World Curling Tour event together. Did you perceive this opportunity as a chance to not only qualify for the Scotties, but also as a chance to help mentor young players that will sooner or later be mainstays of Nunavut Curling? Okay, so I can appreciate that, Frank, for sure. And it was a decision I didn't take lightly. We had weeks of back-and-forth conversation, and I realized the girls weren't just looking for a fourth, but they were looking for a teammate that could help them improve on and off the ice. So in order for all of this to happen, we agreed that we needed to get together as much as we could, and that started with a camp down in Halifax called the Turning Point High Performance Camp. And then we did another training camp in Ottawa. We had our coach, Donalda Maddie, there, and we even had Earl Morris come in for a couple hours. We did a third training camp here in Dundas at the Dundas Valley Golf and Curling Club. And so we've been really lucky to have that opportunity to gel as a team. But for us for mentoring them, I, I hope I've been a help, but 
because they're likely going to be representing Nunavut for many years to come. And anything that I've been able to do this year to help create a solid foundation would feel like a big success for me. But to be honest, I feel like I've learned an awful lot in the process, and I'm just really grateful for that. Lori, the last time you went to the Scotties was in 1997, where you played third for Alison Goring on Team Ontario that year and reached the final losing to Team Schmirler. Can you take me back to that event for a couple of moments and share with the audience what it felt like to reach the final in your very first Scotties? Oh, yeah, that is, uh, it was a while ago, but geez, it just feels like the other day, and I have so many memories from that trip to the Scotties. It was out in Vancouver, it was beautiful. And it was my first time ever attending a national championship, and I have to say the field was stacked, so I was really nervous going into it. And um, But Allison and Mary had both been there before, so I just did whatever they told me to do, honestly. And when we uh, played the semifinal, that game actually felt a lot more pressure-packed because the Olympic trial berth was on the line, and... Um, so when we got past that, the finals just felt like an out-of-body experience, really. First of all, I was uh, playing against my idol, Jan Becker, and, of course, the best women's curling team on the planet, Sandra Schmerler's team. And I remember the game, we didn't get off to the best start, but we fought our way back, and after five ends, we were tied. And Mary said, oh, my God, we're tied. We could win this game. And then we had to do a 20-minute break for commercials, and that was just a lot of time to think. (laughs) So I wasn't really ready for that, wasn't prepared for that long of a break. And um, anyway, needless to say, we didn't win the game. But to be fair, I'm not sure I ever thought we could. I mean, it was my first time there. We are playing the best team on the planet. But... I wish I would have actually thought we could have won the game. But, of course, Sandra Schmirler's team was so good, they deserved it. And, but it was the be- one of the best weeks of my life, to be honest. After reaching the Scottish final at such a young age, I'm guessing you probably thought uh, you'd get a bunch of other opportunities to not only play in the Scotties, but get another chance at winning that title. And here we are 23 years later, and you're headed to the Scotties for the first time since that 97 final. How tough has it been over the years knowing what it feels like to have a Scotties title within your grasp and never getting a second kick at the can, as it were, despite trying to qualify on several different occasions over the past two decades? Right. No, I've definitely been trying. (laughs) Ontario is very, very difficult. And I don't know if people realize how hard it is to to get back. And, and of course, it wasn't for lack of effort. We've... uh, We've, I've been slugging it out for years trying to get back to the, the Scotties, and that was always the dream was to go one more time. And uh, I think I've lost at least three finals here in Ontario, and I think I've had at least three or four third places. I don't know. I, I've lost track of all that. So it's been a lot of uh, time and work, and then there's family too, and there's things that, that came up that limited the opportunities, let's say. So I think I, I honestly did the best I could. I was certainly glad I really enjoyed the first time I went because I wasn't sure I was ever going to go back. So this is a dream come true. 
There are a number of young curlers that pass under the radar in Canada because they play in a province or territory that doesn't generate much curling buzz at the national level. Your third, Sadie Pinkson, is one such curler. Sadie's already represented Nunavut some 13 times at the national level, including at the Scotties, the Canadian Juniors, where she skipped the team at age 13, the Canadian Mix, and the Canada Winter Games. You've gotten to know Sadie this season. What type of player is she, and what type of ceiling do you think she has? Well, Sadie is an absolute gem of a human being, and it's not been easy for her at times skipping at the juniors, especially, like you said, starting at age 13. But she's a really dedicated athlete, and she's constantly working on improving and learning from each time she's out there. She's really confident and really smart, and I think if she sticks with it, she's going to be a force. You'll also be playing with two other promising young players in Moose Jaw. What can you tell our audience about Alison Griffin and Caitlin McDonald? Allison is such a focused athlete, and she's so driven, and her love of the game is very comparable to mine. And then Caitlin is an absolute cheerleader. She's so positive, and she's a great team player. And these guys all just have such a bright future, and it's just been such a pleasure to play with them this year. For those who may not be aware, Lori, you're the co-host of a popular curling podcast called Two Girls in a Game. So I thought I'd ask you to put your podcast host slash curling analyst hat on and tell us about the strengths of your team. Well, I think the strengths would be that we've built a pretty solid team dynamic this year. And going into the Scotties, we have a realistic idea of what we're capable of. And we're all very supportive of each other. And I think we just want to to go in there and do our best and hopefully surprise a few teams. What's going to be your team's biggest challenge in Moose Jaw? Okay, well, the biggest challenge, of course, you saw the pool, right? <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're in a pretty tough pool. There's no question there. So we're going to have to play at our very best to stay competitive with these solid teams that are in our pool and I think we'll have to stay very mentally tough all week this this is going to be a challenge for sure we haven't had a ton of experience with these long events together Um, but you know what we're going to do our very best to show what we've got and finally Lori what are you hoping to see from your team at this year's Scotties think we've put in the work so we would love to see that translate into solid communication, shot making. We want to obviously improve as the week goes. And we want to have a ton of fun. You never know. Obviously, I know this more than anybody. You never know when you're going to get back. So we just want to savor the chance of playing at the biggest stage for women's curling in Canada. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalist, Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs, Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. 
Laura Walker was going to take a break from competitive curling this season until a call from teammate Taylor McDonald changed her plans. A few months later, Walker will compete in her first career Scotties as a skip of Team Alberta. Laura, you displayed some emotion after defeating Kelsey Rock in the Alberta Provincial Finals. How good does it feel to have qualified for your first Scotties? I don't really know how, what the words are to explain how it felt, I guess. It was kind of a, a big mixture of um, like extreme happiness, a little bit of relief, um, not just to finally win a Provincial Scotties, but also, you know, we had to beat that team three times in the week, and um, it was just, it was kind of felt like a long game. We got the lead early, like there was just a huge outpouring of relief when we finally got uh, to shake hands, and then just a lot of pride, too. We played so well all week, and to be able to cap it off just felt really good as well. It was just a, a big whirlwind of emotions. It felt really good. Your team looked like you were in a groove all week at Provincials. Uh, that said, I'm curious how you felt going into the week because you'd struggled in your last event at the Meridian Open where, to be fair, you lost three games against some pretty darn good teams. Um, you know what? We actually thought we played quite well at the Canadian Open. So despite going 0-3 there, I mean, we were up to playing 8 on Hasselberg and just gave up the silly 3. And um, for the most part, we felt like we actually played very well there. We had a lot of really positive things that we could take forward so we actually just did a really good job of not focusing on the results we had a, a long meeting after our last game at the Canadian Open and pulled apart you know some of the things that we could do better but most of the things that we did really well there that we wanted to focus on at provincials and we kind of felt like if we played as well as we did at the Canadian Open at our provincials we'd probably do pretty well even despite kind of going 0-3 there I don't, we don't feel like the results were really indicative of um, of our play so we yeah we were actually feeling pretty confident even <laughs> just like going winless at the Canadian Open. As you've said in other interviews, you almost sat out this season to focus on life and career stuff and play a little mixed doubles until you received a call from Taylor McDonald asking if you wanted to skip a team she had put together. Did you even hesitate to join the team when the offer was made? And did you think this lineup had a chance to win provincials and perhaps even challenge for a Scotty's title? Yeah, I, I definitely hesitated. I think um, we first kind of started chatting about it and I initially said, you know what, I don't know if my heart's in it. And um, we stopped the conversation there for a couple of weeks and then we started talking again and that's when um, I started to really seriously think about it and I did feel like we could win the Scotties. I knew that if I came back to the game, one of the main reasons that I was thinking about stepping back was because if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it with 110% of everything that I have and I didn't know if I, I quite had that in me for, for the season, but um, I kind of decided that, you know what, let's give it a go. And I, I did that because I felt like we had a team that could really compete and we had a team that could get to the Scotties and compete at the Scotties. And so um, I wouldn't have put this team together and I wouldn't have agreed to keep playing if I if I didn't think that we could all uh, come together and make it happen. Your team has played a lot this year and it's been a mixed results kind of year for you. What's gone well for your team at events where you've reached the championship final winning three out of four times versus the challenges you've experienced at events where you've struggled and not qualified? Uh, yeah, early in the season, I think we only qualified in one of our first, you know, four or five events that we played in, and um, in all of those events, we could pinpoint one game that, you know, was a turning point, or if we had won that game, we would have qualified, or whatever it was, and even in those games, we could probably pinpoint one shot, so it's like, it wasn't like we were, you know, super far from, from winning, or we were, we felt like we were really that far away from where we wanted to be, so we just kind of had a lot of patience uh, moving forward, and um, I think early in the season, too, obviously, we didn't know each other, we didn't, I didn't know how the girls necessarily threw a rock, they didn't, Nadine had never played front end in her life, so she was getting, you know, getting used to sleeping, and everyone was just kind of learning these new roles and this, this new team dynamic, and I think once we nailed down all of those little things that really make a difference, that was when we started to see some consistent success. And the second part of that question, when your team is winning, what are you typically doing well? 
We we play loose. I think when we're we're doing well, we we just have we feel a bit of a vibe kind of out there on the ice, and um, we communicate a lot. Like when we're playing well, we talk lots. We figure everything out uh, out that we need to figure out, and so I think that that's kind of the two of the main things that we do well. We communicate a lot, and uh, we just kind of keep that keep our vibe going. We don't let ourselves get you know too high or too low. We're we're in our groove, and we just don't let that go away. You've actually played even more than your teammates this season, having spared in a couple of events. Aside from playing well and hopefully making a little bit of money, what, if anything, did you try to learn or take from your experience playing with Jennifer Jones as an example? Yeah, it was a great experience for me to play with a lot of different teams in a lot of different positions, and I think that's maybe what I learned the most from was, was going in at different positions. And, um, you know, I, I gained, not gained, I always had a lot of respect for, obviously, every position on my team, but I kind of got to see the game for from a lot of different perspectives and um, you just you really start to realize how hard every little thing out there is you know it's not it's not easy to know what every single pass on the ice is doing all the time but my friend end does like they they really give great information to to us and then you know to be that person bridging the gap like Kate does like I just I was able to see it through their eyes and I think that that makes me a better skip and I think it makes me a better all-around player and I think it just makes me even a little bit more calmer out there, you know, to, to trust in everyone to do their jobs and to know how well that they do them. And finally, Laura, your third Kate Cameron has had success at the Scotties, losing the 2017 final as a member of Team Englot. Are you going to be leaning on Kate, uh, not so much for the on-ice stuff, but for logistics and off-ice stuff that can be a little distracting the first time you experience the Scotties? Yeah, not just Kate, Taylor as well. Taylor was uh, the fifth for Team Manitoba last year. She went with Tracy Flurry's team, so both of them have uh, seen it, you know, They've been through it. Um, obviously, like you said, the on-ice stuff, I feel like all of us have been in enough big games that that part, you know, it's just curling once we get there. But it'll be nice to have a couple of people on the team who have been there recently and who can, uh, you know, kind of help guide us through creating a schedule for ourselves and all the little things that we might not think of never having been before. We have a couple of players who can point those things out and can make sure that we're planning accordingly. And I would say that that's the biggest area I'm going to lean on them for is just the planning because um, I feel like if we can be well prepared then it'll make us a lot more comfortable once we get there. Our final guest of this year's From the Hack Scotties preview is Quebec's Noemi Vero who joined us to discuss her team's win at Provincials and to discuss their goals and expectations in Moose Jaw. Please note that the interview with Noemi is in French. Noémie, au moment où on se parle, on se trouve environ une semaine depuis votre victoire au tournoi provincial, une victoire qui vous a qualifié pour le Scotties à Moussdja. Vous avez eu quelques temps maintenant pour réfléchir à ce que vous avez accompli. Dites-moi ce que ça veut dire pour vous de vous rendre à votre premier Scotties. <laughs> Honnêtement, euh, euh, irréel. Il y, a, il y a pas de mots, je pense, pour euh, décrire qu'on ressent quand on atteint finalement un objectif qu'on attend depuis si longtemps. On est toutes des curleurs qui curlent depuis euh, vraiment plusieurs années. Puis, euh, ouais, c'était vraiment un rêve. Fait qu'il n'y a pas de mots pour décrire ce qu'on ressentait, mais il y a une grande, grande, grande fierté. Vous avez débuté le tournoi La Ronde avec un record de une victoire et deux défaites. Un début quelque peu inquiétant dans un tournoi La Ronde qui n'est pas très long. Qu'avez-vous discuté comme équipe entre votre troisième et votre quatrième joute afin de reprendre le bon chemin? On s'est vraiment ensemble qu'on avait une 
très bonne saison. Puis, les... on c'est vrai qu'on a commencé le tournoi à la ronde avec une fiche de une victoire, deux défaites. Mais euh, les deux défaites, c'était vraiment des matchs qui se sont terminés sur les dernières pierres. C'était pas des matchs où on avait mal joué, on a... parce qu'on a joué un excellent tournoi, un des meilleurs qu'on a vu dans notre vie. Euh... Donc, il n'y avait pas beaucoup d'ajustements à faire dans les matchs euh, pour pouvoir finalement avoir le vide de victoire. Euh, parce que ça aurait, les matchs qu'on a perdus auraient pu tourner d'un côté ou de l'autre. Euh, mais on s'est assis ensemble, puis euh, on s'est comme ressoudés, on s'est comme resserrés, on s'est dit que c'était pas fini, puis qu'on avait qu'on croyait en nos chances, puis qu'on était capable parce qu'on était vraiment pas loin d'atteindre notre objectif. Fait qu'on s'est juste retroussé les manches, puis on est reparti sur une nouvelle vague, puis on s'est pas, on n'a pas, on s'est pas arrêté finalement euh, aux deux défaites là, qui auraient pu nous faire mal en bout du tournoi, puis on a juste décidé de, de continuer sur une bonne vague. La grande finale contre Laurie Saint-Georges a pris une allure très défensive avec beaucoup de bouts ouverts. J'imagine que vous avez dû ajuster votre stratégie un peu en grande finale, surtout que vous aviez joué un style quand même assez offensif pendant le tournoi à la ronde. Honnêtement, pas du tout. Euh, jouer autant défensif parce que c'était une des games défensives que j'ai J'ai rarement vu ça, honnêtement, surtout dans une finale. Euh, puis, euh, c'était pas notre plan du tout à la base. Je veux dire, c'est, c'est arrivé comme ça, l'autre équipe a comme décidé de jouer défensif, puis on est comme embarqué là-dedans un petit peu. Je pense que l'une ou l'autre des équipes ne voulait pas euh, donner de gros bouts, euh, parce qu'on savait qu'en euh, donnant un gros bout, ben, on, on se mettait comme dans le trouble. Euh, mais à la base, ce n'était pas notre plan de match, parce que c'est pas notre plan de jeu, pas du tout. Euh, donc c'est ça, ça, ça a comme reviré comme ça. Euh, j'essayais euh, de mettre des gardes, de contourner, de mettre des pierres en jeu, mais finalement il restait jamais plus rien à faire des bouts. <rire> C'était comme on se, on se résignait toujours à blanquer, blanquer, blanquer. Euh, finalement ça a tourné en notre faveur, mais c'est des fois un jeu qui peut se revirer facilement contre une équipe parce que dans ce genre de jeu-là, euh, un simple décart raté peut faire. Euh, en sorte de perdre une game. Donc, il euh, n'y a pas beaucoup de place à l'erreur. Euh, mais malgré tout, on a bien joué pour ne pas faire d'erreur. Fait que ça, ça a bien fini pour nous. Mais c'était non, à la base, c'était pas notre style de jeu. Puis c'est pas comme ça qu'on avait vu la finale non plus. Parlez-moi pour quelques instants des émotions que vous avez ressenties immédiatement après la grande finale lorsque vous avez réalisé que vous étiez championne provinciale. C'était honnêtement complètement débile. Euh, dans, euh, parce que tu sais, quand tu es concentré dans une partie, tu te rends pas compte des gens qui sont autour, euh, des applaudissements, t'es comme vraiment dans ta tête. Puis là, quand la pression a tombé parce que les, le dernier, les deux derniers bouts, là, je veux pas l'anxiété a comme augmenté, les petites jambes molles, tu sais, c'est normal là, c'est, c'est de finale. Puis quand tout ça a lâché, c'était comme c'était irréel, c'était totalement survolté. Euh, les applaudissements. Pour vrai, c'était comme un rêve, on se sentait vraiment comme des stars, le rêve, le rêve d'une petite joueuse de curling. Euh, j'étais contente de voir, c'est sûr qu'on avait toutes nos familles étaient là, fait que c'était le fun d'aller voir nos familles qui nous encouragent depuis tellement d'années, qui sont derrière nous. Euh, on part les fins de semaine en tournoi, c'est <rire> nos conjoints qui restent à la maison, euh, pour ma part avec ma fille, mon conjoint tout le temps là derrière moi, c'est que c'était vraiment... Euh, tellement des beaux moments, des, des, des moments même pour euh, même pour nos familles, là, tellement émotifs, c'était euh, l'enfer. Il va sans dire que le Scottie est un tournoi différent de tous les autres. Qu'allez-vous faire afin de préparer votre équipe pour les distractions et tous les autres inattendus qui surviennent lors d'un Scotties? Allez-vous consulter des gens, par exemple, qui ont déjà représenté le Québec au Scotties ou au Briar ou autre grand tournoi national? Ben, 
On a plusieurs anciens curleurs qui ont joué des scotties, plusieurs joueuses qui nous ont envoyé des messages, qui nous ont jasé, qui nous ont donné leurs trucs pour pas qu'on soit comme surprise rendu là-bas parce que semble-t-il que c'est vraiment différent des autres pour moi. On n'a jamais fait de scotties, mais moi, de mon côté, j'ai quand même fait deux championnats canadiens en mix. Euh, Alana, on a déjà fait aussi. Dieu le fait un championnat canadien double mix. Fait qu'on a chacun nos petites expériences, mais semble-t-il que c'est vraiment différent. Puis, euh, juste à regarder tout ce que Curling Canada nous a envoyé, on le sait, on le sent intérieurement que ça va être quelque chose de gros. Puis même, j'ai fait le, la blague quand on a reçu l'horaire de l'événement, euh, où c'est comme cordé, où il y a des entrevues, des rencontres, des prises de photos, des autographes, euh, les, les, euh, la séance de téléphone avec la fondation de Sam Clushmuller. Euh, j'ai dit aux filles, mais mon Dieu, on va-tu là pour jouer du curling? Quand est-ce qu'on joue? Je sais pas. C'est vraiment gros, euh, mais on s'en va tellement là. Sereine. On a un coach avec nous, euh, Michel Blais, qui va nous euh, qui va nous accompagner pendant cette semaine-là, euh, qui nous a jamais coaché la proprement dit en tant qu'équipe vraiment, mais qui a plusieurs expériences dans les championnats canadiens, qui va vraiment, euh, je pense, nous doser puis euh, nous apporter un peu de sérénité là, dans toute cette frénésie-là de 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 de, de, de Scotties. Puis euh, c'est ça. Je pense que ça, ça va être un bel atout pour nous. Mais tu sais, on va vraiment là. Pas de pression. On n'a rien à, tu sais, on n'a on a rien à perdre. Nous, on va là. Puis, euh, si honnêtement, on joue comme un joueur provincial, on va être amplement satisfait. Puis, je pense qu'on peut avoir vraiment plusieurs victoires. Fait que, une chose à la fois, mais euh, on va essayer de prendre tous les petits conseils qui nous ont été donnés par les anciens euh, gagnants. Et finalement, Noémie, votre équipe a été placée dans un groupe très difficile au Scalise avec cinq équipes qui se classent parmi les meilleures 50 au monde. Est-ce que vous auriez préféré être dans un groupe avec plusieurs équipes qui sont classées au même niveau que vous ou préférez-vous vous mesurer contre des équipes classées parmi les meilleures au monde et chercher à causer des surprises? C'est sûr que quand on a vu notre pool, on a dit « Oh my God! » On est comme dans le, pool, dans le pool le plus fort. Je veux dire, toutes les, on dirait que toutes les meilleures équipes sont de notre côté. <rire> C'est comme ça, ça nous a comme surpris, mais en même temps, tellement pas déçus. Euh, c'est l'équipe qui va gagner le scolise à la fin de la semaine euh, est supposée battre toutes les équipes qui sont là. Puis il faut pas, euh, on n'a sincèrement pas peur d'affronter n'importe qui. On peut juste causer, comme, comme vous disiez, des surprises. Euh, si honnêtement, on joue notre jeu, qu'on est euh, low profile, qu'on est zen, qu'on reste focus sur notre semaine, je pense que euh, bout par bout, pierre par pierre, on va finir par gagner des matchs, puis honnêtement, créer des surprises. Je suis sûre et certain euh, qu'on peut mettre des bâtons dans les roues aux plus grosses équipes qui pensent vraiment avoir la job facile contre nous, mais on va euh, faire tout ce qui est en notre pouvoir là, pour euh, leur mener la vie difficile un peu, puis honnêtement, je pense que ça peut virer de notre côté parce que euh, on peut jouer du très très bon curling, puis euh, je pense que c'est ça. Je pense que non, on n'est pas déçus. Puis, euh, je suis certaine que de l'autre côté, il va y avoir des bonnes équipes là, qui vont passer aussi. Mais non, on était vraiment franchement satisfaits de notre pool malgré tout. Et c'est ça pour la partie 2 de From the Hacks 2020 Scotties Preview. Please visit the From the Hack Facebook page and Twitter feeds throughout the 2020 Scotties in Moose Jaw, as we will provide news and notes and updates throughout the week. Enjoy the Scotties, everyone. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.